You're listening to the Sunday podcast from LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. Good morning, LifePoint. How we doing? Yes. Okay, good. There we go. Hey, glad you're with us. If you're joining us online, glad you're uh, watching. Uh, my name is Blake Wilsford. I'm the adult ministries pastor here at LifePoint Church, and I'm excited to be speaking today. Uh, we're on the topic of, of discipleship. Today is the first day of our fast. Uh, not, not as much clapping. Maybe you're starting to feel those, those hunger pains. Maybe you're not. We'll, we'll get into that. But there's a lot to unpack this morning as we, as we dive in. Uh, many of you know I, I've been around sports my entire life. I'm part of a sports ministry. Uh, it's incredible. But you know you've been around it too long when you just start speaking the language. I was leaving early this morning. Uh, because I was speaking today, I, I left a little earlier to come in here and, and uh, spend time and, and prepare and, and pray. As I'm uh, pulling out of my driveway, uh, my, my dad pulls up. Uh, my younger son, he's 14, they had a really early game uh, for baseball this morning. And my dad's getting out of the truck, uh, and, and I'm there, roll down my window. And he's like, hey, you're, you're going to church early this morning. And without missing a beat, my response was, oh, I'm on the mound this morning. <laughs> and for, for those of you that don't know that reference, that just means you're pitching for the baseball game. Well, I'm... I'm I'm not able to play sports uh, anymore due to age and a lot of other reasons. But without missing a beat, my dad responded with, oh, you're preaching. And I'm like, how did he translate I'm on the mound to, to that I'm preaching? It's like, oh, just, just me and my dad, we talk in the sports language uh, all the time. So that was kind of uh, kind of funny. But I am. I'm on the mound uh, this morning. Happy to be up here. Um, back on November 4th, I uh, was able to attend an FCA uh, meeting, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And this meeting happened to be uh, in the evening. It was a gala, and it was honoring Jay Bell. Now, for those of you that don't recognize the name Jay Bell, uh, he was part of the Diamondbacks when they won the World Series 20 years ago. If you don't know who the Diamondbacks are, that's because they're not relevant uh, today, but they're... <laughs> Long time ago, they won the World Series in 2001. Jay Bell happened to be on that team. So they were honoring him. He was a Christian. It's been 20 years since they had won the World Series on November 4th of 2021, the 20-year anniversary. And I happened uh, to be there. Now, when you think of the Diamondbacks and when they won the World Series... You think of Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, Luis Gonzalez, who got the winning hit. You necessarily don't think of Jay Bell. Well, as members from the D-backs organization got up and began to honor and speak about Jay Bell, they told this amazing story. Jerry Colangelo, uh, who owned the D-backs, and he's part of USA Basketball and just really influential and impactful uh, when he started the Diamondbacks organization as an expansion franchise in 1998, there was one person that he wanted to start with, and that was Jay Bell. So he approaches Jay Bell, who by this time was in his late 30s. He was an all-star. 
in the 80s and the 90s, and he's approaching the end of his career, and he's a free agent, and he hasn't won a World Series, and he wanted a ring. So his desires, he wanted to go to like the New York Yankees, teams that were winning the World Series around that time. So when Jerry approached him, his first response was like, gosh, I'm older, I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the energy and the time to be able to be part of an expansion and, and lose all of the games. I don't know if I can do that. Jerry said this. He said, I need you for three things. I need your leadership, I need your character, and I need your faith. And Jay was taken back. He's like, okay. So he went to his circle of friends and family and people that he trusted, and he began to talk about it. He began to pray about it. And the Lord showed him the Diamondbacks was the choice. So he chooses the Diamondbacks. And from 1998 to 2001, when they won the World Series, Jay Bell is the only person that was there the entire time during that stretch. Others started and left before the World Series. Others came on board, like Randy Johnson and Luis Gonzalez, after. He was there the entire time. And what happened was this. He created a culture. As people began to come onto the team, they came right into the system that Jay had built, and everyone was doing it the right way, and he led with his faith. And so a lot of people in, in the organization give credit to Jay Bell for being the glue and the person that brought a championship to Arizona. Incredible story, right? So Jay Bell gets up there. Who does he give credit to? Yes. yes. He gives credit to God and his wife. Because his story was, I believed at the young age of 10. I knew God was real, and I knew Jesus Christ died for me on the cross, and he conquered death, he was resurrected. He's like, I believed it, but I wasn't discipled until later by my wife. And the path he took, he credits to her for coming alongside him and showing him. And so we're in this series of disciples, serve and lead. And today we're talking about, as we start and kick off our fast, fasting for family. But what does it mean to be a disciple? What does that actually mean? Well, there's certain traits for a disciple. I believe we, we've got a graph. I'd like to, to show that graph. Yeah, there it is. So there, there's traits of a disciple. Take a look at that. There's things on there that, that we like. There's things on there that, that we do. There's things on there that we're like, uh, I don't know about that. But let me give you your, your, your top five favorite traits of a disciple. I believe in your top five is probably confession of, of sin, right? That's probably in our, in our top five. Being held accountable, is that one of our, our top five traits of being a disciple? A holding your tongue, right? That's got to be way up there as far as our favorite traits. As a disciple, uh, putting others first, that's a favorite trait of being a disciple. And then fasting, that's number one, right? That is our favorite trait of being a disciple. 
Now, I'm being facetious, as, as a lot of what I just mentioned isn't necessarily um, part of our daily life. Those things can be, can be challenging. But God calls us as a disciple to go into a season of prayer and fasting. We're not going to spend a lot of time on discipleship. That'll be week three as we unpack and dive into what it really means to be a disciple. Today, we're going to spend time in talking about fasting and who am I fasting for and and in what am I fasting about and, and how can I lead and serve in that area. You might be sitting here and you've never fasted in your entire life. That, that's okay. That's okay. We can work through that this morning. Maybe you fasted before and, and you really didn't understand it. You just checked the box. Uh, God really didn't show you anything. Maybe you've been fasting uh, for a long time and you know the power and the impact fasting can have on your life. But here's what it is. It, it, it can't be just about not eating or skipping a meal or removing uh, sugar or, or caffeine or things from, uh, from your diet. It must be a true fast. And we're going to jump into Isaiah 58, chapter, uh, cha- uh, chapter 58, verses 3 through 14. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time. God, we ask for your word to be spoken. We ask for you to reveal our true spiritual condition. Father, as we enter this this season of fasting, we're denying our physical to gain the spiritual. And I pray for that for each person sitting here this morning as we lift up our arms, as we open our hearts and our minds to this idea of fasting. Speak to us, Father. We trust you and we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 58, starting in verse 3, these are the Israelites crying out, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? They've been fasting. They're not hearing from, from God. They're checking the box. They're fasting. God's not answering. So here's the response. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. I'm guilty of this, especially when I first started to, to fast, when that first became a spiritual discipline of mine. I fasted as I pleased. I fasted while I was busy with, with, with work and, and ministries, and, and I created an even busier schedule so it would take my mind off of the hunger pains. I would watch TV, I would nap, I would do all these different things, I would do as I please. I've actually had conversations with, with some of you, and I think many of you know the term hangry. You guys know that term? You get hungry, you get angry, Watch out for the people around you. That's funny how, how God mentions here your fasting ends where you are quarreling. You're bitter, you're angry, you're quick to lash out because you're hungry. That's what happens in our fast when we're emptying ourselves. The fast that we choose. 
God continues to say, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. So what you're doing right now, I hear you, but I don't hear you. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Again, I, I, I've spent time when I began a fast where I'll, I'll, I'll bow my head like a reed and I'll pray for a little bit. Not a whole lot. A couple minutes of prayer, throw it out there. See, God, I'm fasting. I'm praying. It's funny, lying on sackcloth and ashes, there, there's times when I've been fasting and and. I look at that couch, I look at the bed, I'm like, oh, I've got a caffeine headache, I'm so hungry, I'm just going to nap, I'm just going to lie down. I've said my prayer, I'm hungry, boom, I'm out, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a nap. That's not okay before the Lord. So God flips it, he says, is this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and break every yoke. The fast he has chosen for you. Do you not care about those that are oppressed, those that are less fortunate than you? Those that are just struggling with addiction and they can't break free from it? Those that are in environments of, of their unchoosing that wasn't their choice? Break them free. Yesterday, our, our men went up to the San Carlos Reservation to continue the, the work, building homes and building a church to get families into homes for, for, for safety. It's dark on, on the reservation. To build a church so Christ's message can be shared. That's the fast that he has chosen for us, for you to, to engage and, and participate and come alongside your family member that, that is struggling with addiction or with finances, job loss, tragedy. That's what he's choosing, chosen for us. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Now look at this, this is good. Because there's blessings in this fasting. To share your food, to clothe the naked, to provide shelter. Some of you are blessed in here. You've got food, your fridge is full. You've got the ability to go to the grocery store and buy more groceries. You go into your closet and your first thought is, I need more space for my clothes and my shoes. Some of us are blessed, we've got the ability to share to provide, and that's what God is asking. Don't, you don't have to give it all away. I'm not here to take it away. I'm just asking you to share, not to turn away from our own flesh and blood. We're in times where it's really difficult and challenging with family. We just came out of a season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and the New Year. We saw people that we normally don't see and talk to, you start to hear their, their viewpoints, their beliefs, their stance on, on current hot buttons of the day, and you don't agree with them. Or you know about their situation. 
You know how they grew up and, and, you, and you write off their addiction because of all the choices that they continue to make. I don't want to be a part of your life. Understand that that's difficult, that's challenging, but God says we are not to turn away from those closest to us. So when you think about fasting for, for family, the American picture is mom and dad, 2.5 kids, right? But extends beyond that. It wouldn't be a it would be a narrow focus just to focus on, on, on flesh and blood. But that's where we start because that's really difficult to fast and lead and serve with those that are closest to us. But we're called to branch out to our neighbors, extended family, to our adoptive family, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and people of the same faith. That's who we're called to fast for. Verse 8, then... Oh, I love the word then. Then, after you do all of these things, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. How beautiful is that? As you're putting others first, as you're fasting for others, God will heal you. His light will shine in front of you. His light will shine behind you. His glory will be all over you. And you will experience healing like you've never experienced before. So he'll take care of you during this fast. God knows your needs. He knows your desires. Then he will hear your voice as you cry out to the Lord. And he will answer your prayer. He will say as we continue on, here am I. Who wants to hear those three words from the Lord Almighty himself when you cry out to him? Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, as we continue to kill ourselves as Christians with friendly fire in person, on social media. God says, do away with that. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in darkness. How beautiful would it be at your workplace, which might be dark, which might be hopeless, which might be oppressive, with certain policies and things that you don't agree with? How beautiful would it be for your light to shine and for people to come to you and say, what is up with you? What's going on with you? You are joyful. You are excited. And, and work is terrible. Why are you this way? You can look at one of those boxes on those traits and you can then share your testimony. As a disciple, you can share your faith. I'm this way because of the God I serve. He has redeemed me. He has brought me out of darkness. And I am content beyond belief. 
and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He's talking about Arizona. (laughs) He will strengthen your frame. You deny yourself food, he's going to make you stronger. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. He will put us as Christians back to work. He will put us in positions of, of leadership. He will call us back to the rebuilding of his church because of our season and time of fasting. If we choose the fast, God calls for us. Verse 13, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. So there's three things that, that we want to talk about this morning. Who am I fasting for? What am I fasting for? And how can I lead and serve after this time of season and fasting is over. As you spend time in prayer today, and as Pastor Nathan introduced fasting last week, maybe you took this last week to prepare, or you're starting today, start to think about and cry out to God, who? Who in my family do I need to fast for? Now, we're already fasting for ourselves, we're fasting for our spouses, we're fasting for our children, but ask God to reveal the names. The names of the family members, maybe who you've written off, you don't speak to, you don't agree with them. There's a lot going on right now. And there's members of your family who need help. There's an identity crisis with with our young people. I've had so many conversations with a lot of you, with, with kids ages 12 to, to 20, and they're experiencing an identity crisis. I've got that in, in my own family, and, and, and it breaks my heart, and I'm so far removed from my nephew. I'm like, God, how? You've given me the who. The who. I, I've written his name down. I know what I'm fasting for, but, but how? Write it down. This is my journal. It's pretty. It's beautiful. It's yellow and ugly. And here's why. I'm terrible at journaling. Many of you maybe are great at journaling and writing things down. I'm not, but God showed me 10 years ago when he showed me the spiritual discipline of fasting. You've got to write it down because there's so much power. There's so many things I've got to say to you. I had this ugly yellow notebook. Every time I open my backpack, I see it, and I'm like, ah, I've got to write it down. I've got to write it down. And the beauty is, is when I go back to it, it is so refreshing to remember the things that God has shown me during my fast. Make a half page. Start to write down the names that God gives you. 
What am I fasting for? We're going to look at three, three passages of Scripture. First one is Daniel chapter 6, verses 18 through 24. I know what you're thinking, the Daniel fast. He uh, denied himself choice food and just focused on, on, on vegetables and, and did that for a certain time period. And some of you might have chosen the Daniel fast to, to do during this time period. But you're wrong. We are not talking about the Daniel fast. King Darius fasted in concern for Daniel. Let's look at verses 18 through 24. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. So look at that. So so King Darius skipped dinner and he removed entertainment. So some of you I've been talking to, you're, you're thinking about the ways you can deny yourself food, but you're also thinking about how you can remove social media. All of you should remove social media. A lot of you specifically should remove social media. And don't post pictures of food during this time of fasting. or get really angry. Netflix. Some of you need to, to remove entertainment from your life. So that's what the king did. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. So that's where Daniel's at. The king himself, because of his decree and the manipulation of the high nobles, uh, Daniel got thrown into the den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel's servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. Who would say that? Because the king had put him in the lion's den. And he's shouting out, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den. King Darius served justice upon the men who manipulated and lied about Daniel. King Darius fasted. Next passage that we want to look at, the elders in Antioch fasted before sending off Paul and Barnabas. We're in Acts chapter 13, 1 through Five, New Testament. A lot of times when I talk to people about fasting, the response is, oh, that's Old Testament, that's not a New Testament, but, but fasting is riddled throughout the New Testament. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, Lucius, Manaen. And Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I want to stop right there. The Holy Spirit said, when you empty yourself, your soul starts to receive the Holy Spirit. You start to gain the spiritual and you free up that connection with God and and you go face to face and you start to hear his voice and you start to hear Words and, and your desire will be to write them down. So as they fasted, the Lord spoke to the elders. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. 
So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So what were they fasting for? They were fasting for ministry. They were asking God, who do we serve and where do we go? And who's it going to be? And, and the Lord showed them, Barnabas and Saul, and they're going to go here. And how did they lead and serve? They, they, they supplied all the materials that, that they needed. But they were able to hear God's voice. It's hard to hear God's voice, even in prayer, when your belly is full and, 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 and your Facebook is up and the TV's on. It's hard to hear the Lord's voice. It truly is. Esther chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, we're going to look at another passage where this beautiful story of, of fasting. Esther chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do you not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape? For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. We'll talk about Esther's backstory here in just a moment as how she got to that royal position. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. So a little bit of Esther's backstory. She was an orphan. Didn't have a mom or dad. Mordecai adopted her, and they were living. The king at the time was King Xerxes, and it was unknown that, that Esther was, uh, was, was Jewish, and they were just living there. Well, King Xerxes got annoyed and was done with the current queen at that time. So he sent the current queen away and wanted a new queen. So he issued a decree for all of the beautiful women of the land to be brought before him so he could choose a new queen. Esther happened to be seen as one of those beautiful women, and she was brought before the king along with any others. She was chosen because of her beauty to be the next queen. Well, that sort of put her adoptive father into a place of relevance and being known and, and of importance, and, and Mordecai was uh, a Jew. And King Xerxes also at the same time appointed Haman to be a high noble of the land. Well, Haman's desire was to be worshipped. And so he wanted people to bow to him and to worship him, and Mordecai would not. That made Haman a little upset. So Haman derived a plan, and that was to kill all of the Jews scattered throughout the land. So Haman went on to distribute and execute this plan. Mordecai got word, and now he, he feared, um, but he still would continue not to bow down 
to Haman. So he sent word to Esther. He said, this is what's going to happen. Esther's response, as you saw, is, you can only go before the king unless you've been summoned, and I have not been summoned. It's been 30 days since I've been summoned. But he might kill me. But in her concern for family, her Jewish people, she called for a fast for three days. And after that, she put her own life at risk. So what was she fasting for? The safety of her people. The amazing thing is, is after the fast, she approached the king. The king welcomed her. The king was troubled about what to do because he had high regard for Haman, who had this plan to execute and kill all of the Jewish people. But he trusted his new queen. So he went back to his quarters, and he had, he had one of his servants bring to him the chronicles of his life. And in those chronicles, as they were being read to him, King Xerxes saw that there was a passage about Mordecai, the adoptive father, who's at the root of this entire problem. And in that passage, Mordecai had uncovered this conspiracy of two men that wanted to kill the king. And so now the king remembered, and he had favor for Mordecai. And because of Esther's fast, her people were saved. The importance of writing things down. When I go back to this and I remember and it refreshes my soul, I can take action and I can move forward. And that's what King Xerxes saw due to the fasting of Esther. So you've written down the names of the people that you're fasting for. And you've gone before the Lord and said, what am I fasting about for them? Maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not. Ask God to reveal that and write down, what am I fasting for? We saw here it was for ministry, it was for safety. There's many reasons that we can be fasting for our family members. God will reveal that to you. Last point, how can I lead and serve those I am fasting for? So week three, we're going to unpack and uncover discipleship. And after that, when our time of fasting is over, the question is, is, is am I a disciple? Am I a follower of Christ? And are the traits that we've mentioned pouring out of my spirit and can be seen on my flesh? How do I move forward and lead and serve those I'm praying for? Let's look at verse 10 in Isaiah 58. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, spend yourself. What does that mean? That means offer yourself. Not just to, to, to pray, not just to deny yourself a meal, but to actually offer yourself to this person. That's the hard part. That's scary. That, that, that's challenging. Because have we seen in these stories of fasting, God will speak, he will reveal, and he will give you action. That means you're going to have to go to this person and say, hey, here's what God is showing me for you. And I want to come alongside you in this area. And it might be one of those boxes that we saw up there. God showed me that I'm supposed to fellowship with you. I'm supposed to worship with you. I'm supposed to study the word with you. You might get rejected. Maybe you've done that and you've been rejected and it hurts. 
But just like Queen Esther, that's the risk you have to take. If you perish, you perish. If you get rejected, you get rejected. But that's the Lord moving through you. That's how we can lead and serve those that we are fasting for. I want to call the band out as we, as we continue to close. See, after King Darius looked at, at, at Daniel and he, his fasting worked per se and he knew that Daniel was safe, he came alongside him. He gave him riches. He elevated him to a higher position. He issued a decree to the people of the land and said, look at what happened. The God that Daniel serves rescued him. He pointed the people to his land, to God. Isn't that what we're called to do as disciples? To do the work, to harvest, to point people to Christ. And even if you get rejected, you're still pointing people to Christ. God's working in his perfect timing. So here's the call. Today's the first day of the fast. If, if you haven't necessarily prepared, if you haven't spent time in, in, in prayer, you don't know how to start your fast, you've never fasted before, take today and go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, show me the fast that you have chosen for me. Show me who I'm fasting for what I'm fasting about. And as you're writing these things down, as you're spending time this week, as we're specifically focused on fasting for family, he'll reveal, reveal to you the action plan. Just continue to write that down. God, you're calling me to do these things. And then when the time of season of fasting has ended, go and do those things as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for your revelation this morning. God, fasting is, is, is a spiritual dis discipline that has been forgotten about, that's been pushed out of the church, that's been deemed unnecessary, and we rebuke that. That is a tactic from, from the enemy. Father, Show us the importance and impact of fasting. God, rip out our guts as we are so full of the world today. As we're riddled with comfort. God, tear, rip that out of us as we go before you. Not to choose the fast of our pleasing, but the fast that you choose for us and that we trust you in that, that we walk forward in that. And we lift up and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we enter into a time of communion, take this opportunity and moment to reflect. Start right now. Father, I've never fasted before. Show me. Father, I've been fasting my entire life. Show me more. Lead. Guide. Reveal to me. 
as Jesus sat at the supper before he was betrayed, the disciples didn't know what was about to happen next. They just trusted their teacher, didn't they? They fully didn't understand his words either. But we know it was revealed to those disciples that once Jesus went to the cross and died and was resurrected, they had their motivation. They had the exact path that they were to go down. So as they sat there and, and, and Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. The least that we can do, the least that we can do is, is, is skip dinner and, and skip entertainment for this broken body, our Lord and Savior. Will you eat the bread with me? In the same way Jesus took the cup and he said this is my blood poured out spilled for you trust me as I'm doing this for you and through you will you drink the cup with me Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. God, continue to peel back the layers that we have covered with ourselves. God, move us to free those who are oppressed, to loosen chains, to take away the addictions, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked. Move us towards that, Father. Thank you for your work on the cross to give us a right standing relationship with you forever. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.